Hey, Donna Brown, how are we doing this week? Last episode, you know, we had a fantastic conversation with Janani Ramachandran about being a city council in the city of Oakland, District 4 specifically. And I loved hearing someone talk to me about using their experiences as a South Asian American, reflecting back on the lessons learned and really moving forward to use that as their voice that they're putting out in the world to help other people in a specific local community. I know Jenny is going to do great things. And uh, you know who else I think is going to do great things? My next guest this week, Gita Valenki. Gita Valenki is the founder of Nishi. And this is a company that does healthy treats. That sounds very promising. But these treats have another treat. They help you with menstrual health. I cut to the chase with introducing this episode because I want to say, hey, if any of you were like, oh, I feel like I got trapped in this episode, I was ready to listen to, you know, some psychological stuff, and then now you're going to talk about periods and blood, then first of all, you're wrong. We're not going to make this gross, um, although periods are not gross. But secondly, I refuse to ignore the topic of menstrual health because It might make folks uncomfortable. And I'm not just talking about men, but even women. We've been socialized to really look at it as something that is an optional topic, a topic that we should be hush-hush about, putting the chip-chip in our chip-chip round, am I right? And is something that has often just not been understood as equivalent, like literally the equal sign of what health is to us. Think about it. Menstrual health is an enormous part of a woman's experience. And that means it is their experience as a human who is functioning in their bodies. So that is equivalent to health. Also on a side note, I'm very sorry if you hear dramatic sounds in the background of my dog sighing. I don't know if she's stressed out by this topic as well, but she's doing a lot of those things that dogs do. (laughs) But back to this. I met Geetha in December of 2022 at the Holiday Hot, which was a marketplace essentially of almost over 20 South Asian vendors that's ranged from clothing, food, lifestyle, home, jewelry, you name it. Geetha is this incredibly calm woman. When you approach her, her energy and vibe is so zen and like, let me take care of you. So it was really fun to hear her talk about how she's always been regarded as the nurturer in her group because she certainly has this type of vibe. But do not be mistaken. She's a fucking badass with a great voice speaking for women's health. She introduced us to her products, which are essentially mix-ins or muffins that she uses the mix-ins to her recipe to make it really accessible and delicious for uh, women to regulate their periods. And it is very clear how important this is. I know it sounds to people, again, we're so inclined to think that this is something that we compartmentalize or don't need to talk about. But I really did want to give the platform to Geetha because I think she's doing incredible work to help women feel happy and feel content with their day-to-day, their months, their years, where this is not an obstacle in all the things that we're capable of doing, the things we want to do. I did mention in other episodes, I have PCOS and I've had an interesting journey and without getting into too much of the vagina monologues of like, I got my period when, but 
let's put it this way. I developed really early and I was introduced to the period game when I was nine. And I remember being a little confused why I was going into sort of this like adult womanhood so early on and had very irregular periods. And I thought I just had to suffer this way. It made things very uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortable for me at school, you know, going to parties, imagine the pool party trauma that you have. And I know I'm not alone. I was looking into this more and I remember talking to a friend about this. She's actually been on the podcast before, Anila Yadavali, who was the episode we uh, focused on when she was teaching at San Quentin prison um, for in her, their math program. So Anila and I were talking about how at record numbers, it felt like we were hearing of our friends being diagnosed with PCOS and specifically in the Asian and South Asian communities. We were a little perplexed. I, I sort of sometimes I'm like, is this just like the diagnosis du jour, um, you know, right now in like our society? But I think it comes to show that this is a very largely ignored issue that was plaguing us. And uh, this is not affecting only South Asians. Of course, you you see a lot of accounts now, readings, uh, advocates for PCOS in every community because it really affects women. I, imagine if you were constantly wondering, why am I so tired? Why am I not motivated to go to the gym? Why do I have this much acne hair? Why am I gaining weight? Why do I feel very unhealthy in my body where I'm not being able to regulate my periods, where I'm not willing to feel like I have a cycle in my body, literally a system that seems to be consistent and reliable. Not only that, but PCOS also causes all of these implications. If you have PCOS, you're more likely to have metabolic issues. You're more likely to have heart disease, diabetes, high cholesterol, etc. And when you come from communities, let's say you have that already with PCOS, and you come from a community that might have a history of these, whether, you know, and especially people of color communities, you're kind of wondering, am I fucked? So in that way, I felt really, really passionate about how to talk about PCOS, which we've kind of covered in some of our episodes, for example, with Gaia Muragupan, the doctor in season one. But I wanted to focus back into this way of taking back our power and being able to do it in a very simple way, which is what I loved about Nishi, Geetha's products and company. But if you look into some of the reading, and I'll post more on our Instagram, but we have Juggernaut, for example, one of the only and leading publications for South Asian Americans. Um, we see an article that was written actually very recently about how too many South Asians are quietly suffering from PCOS. There's also a study about PCOS, which shows that it occurs in 6 to 10% of women as a whole. And it's one of the most common endocrinopathy, I can't say that word, um, issue for reproductive aged women. But also what's interesting is we associate it with reproduction, which is sort of the mistake with menstrual health is it's not just about, I want to make babies. Um, it's about also just living a consistent, healthy life as a woman. And in fact, Asian women in particular, and some other communities, I'm sure don't feel alone in this, suffer a lot of stigma around their periods and a culture of openness around this. Think about all of those ways that you hit it. You might have had a code word. My, my friend and I had octopus. I'll let your imagination wonder why. <laughs> um, and then also you have 
things you do, like hiding your pads. You don't tell your the men in your family that you're doing it. You might have a separate trash can. You might actually in South Asian communities, I've had friends who don't let me come over to their house when I'm on my period. You're supposed to shower. You're supposed to do your hair uh, shampoo at a certain time, like after four days. You can't go to the temple. You can't eat certain things, touch certain things. Some things, I don't know if they actually have scientific explanation, but a lot of this is superstition. So you feel like a freaking monster. Um, and when you think about, did you know women spend an average of eight years on their li- of their lives on periods? Eight years, you're told you might be unclean or shameful and you are uncomfortable, which I don't, you know, more than anything, I just don't want to be uncomfortable in life if I can prevent it. And so this is something that there's actually a lot of interesting reading on it. I found a book um, that seems incredible. I am going to read it. And if anyone wants to read it with me and discuss, maybe that's our next down to brown circle this month is a book called Period Matters, Menstruation in South Asia. And it is a very interesting read about, I I noticed some of the highlights, at least I won't pretend like I read it. (laughs) Let's not book explain Lahari. Um, but it talks a lot about the sociocultural roots of periods and why it's such a stigma in South Asian communities. So you have a lot of Vedic um, influences and practices and the casteism that's involved in periods, which I, I never thought about. There's also a lot of gender oppression that comes about. If you think about, you know, there's such a cis normative narrative about periods And it uh, excludes all these groups that might be impacted the women who menstruate and that not all menstruators are women. And um, I'm sure there's someone, some conservative out there whose brain is exploding when I say this, but it's just about the body. And also the, this is really interesting to me is the digitization of menstruation. So as we use more apps and technology to support our cycles, we're also giving up a lot of our rights around this and you know, I really hate referring to Handsmaid's Tale as the only example of something that is about women's oppression, because um, we very well know that this is something that has happened to many communities of color, particularly Black women, historically, where their privacy as a body was not respected, especially as reproduction. Um, and this is something that really gets into that territory of how much of your reproductive health and data is also private to you and it gets sold to other companies. And so being mindful of that too, where you're kind of trying to, we're desperate, we're looking for help through these apps um, and these resources, but also need to be mindful of what where that data is going in the privacy and goes back to the question of consent. Um, I, I really, really appreciate Geetha's ability to articulate her product and how she thought about it. And it's, it's really rooted in helping other women feel better about themselves. And it started for her as a mother. But just if anything else you take away, I would love for you to remember this sentence after listening to this episode, menstrual health is health. That's it. It's that simple. And I would be really punny and say menstrual health equals health period, but (laughs) you know, that would be too much, but I did it anyway. So that being said, I cannot wait to introduce you to Gita. I sincerely appreciate you listening to this episode and perhaps sharing it with someone who's dealing with these issues, even if it's not Nishi. I hope that this episode inspires you to look into more resources, reach out. You know, we can start a little bit of a circle or community to be able to talk about these issues more and help each other out. But I truly believe that if if there's something that's an obstacle to us women being able to be our best selves, 
I'd hate for it to be this. And not that I'm a doctor, but if we can do this through the power of community, I would love to play a part. So with that, let's head on over and talk to Geetha. Hey, Geetha Velenki, thank you so much for joining us on Down to Brown today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Same. And super thrilled not only to have met you at the Holiday Hot, that event in Palo Alto that uh, so many South Asian vendors and community members came together mm-hmm. for, but also getting a chance to know you a little bit more and get to work with you on just being a person who's interested in Nishi. You've been such a genuine connector in the community. I've come to learn where you really just believe in women coming together, sharing knowledge and finding friendship in this entrepreneurial struggle too, right? Like it's beautiful, but also a struggle. So I just can't thank you enough for making time. And I'm really excited to talk more about Nishi, but also the woman behind it, Geetha. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yay. Awesome. Um, So I'd love to start from the beginning, if you will, Um, without getting to therapy session, let's visit your childhood. What was your childhood like? Like, where did you grow up? Like, how, how did we get here today to where you are? So I grew up in Wisconsin. My parents had come from India in the early 70s, made their way to the frozen tundra that it actually is, mm-hmm. and grew up there. Um, I'm one of three sisters. And, you know, it was, it was hard for them. It was very much a Midwestern, very American setting with two parents. One, you know, my mom is from the village in India, and it was definitely quite a shock raising Why three Wisconsin? Girls Why Wisconsin? Uh-huh. So my dad had an opportunity to do his PhD there. So they came from India to Reno, Nevada, and then moved to Wisconsin. Tell me a little bit more about that experience in Wisconsin. Um, how, what was it like to be three girls being raised by first-generation parents, especially in yeah, the Midwest? You know, it's so American. <laughs> it is. It's very American. I mean, growing up, I so my sisters and I are significantly different ages. So we're we're all six and eight years apart. And so at the time, I was the only Indian in my entire high school, you know, and my mom really wanted us to have that connection. So we would drive all the way to West Side of Madison, which, you know, back then, 25 minutes is like this massive commute that they have to make (laughs) with no Google Maps. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So she found a Gujarati dance troupe that, you know, we're Telugu, but that was the only option. And so she eventually found a dance troupe for us and a Bharatanatyam teacher and all of that just to try to have some connection back to India being in Madison. But yeah, it was um, very diverse community, which I think in that regard, it was nice, right? I had some of my closest friends were Chinese, African-American, you know, American with roots of, you know, multiple grandparents deep in Wisconsin. So it was good. I love that because it's a different myriad of variables that come together in order for you to have that diverse experience, but in a way maybe that we wouldn't have if we were maybe in a place where there were a lot of Indians already, or maybe a lot of, you know, Telugu Indians, you know, in the um, state, I feel like there are periods of time where we go through, hey, to just know my South Asian culture is to know my Pakistani friends and their traditions. It's to maybe go through the Punjabi scene and be like, you know, this is how I am staying in touch because my friend happens to be Punjabi and that's where I'm spending a lot of time. So I do appreciate that it gives us a very holistic view on the South Asian experience potentially. 
Um, but of course, not without its challenges when you don't you see yourself represented. So really, really applaud you for, you know, even like we don't know we're doing that work, but to make it work in a place where you might be the only Indian person in your school, for That's example. True. Yeah, that is very true. So you're a hero, Geetha. <laughs> <laughs> And my kids will never know it, right? I I would never take Indian food to lunch because I was so scared somebody would smell the food or would stand out. And here my girls will take idli and sambar in a hot thermos. You open it up. I love that. The cafeteria smells and they don't think twice. And I love it. Yeah. In fact, people are probably like, is there turmeric in it? And they're like, can I have some? (laughs) (laughs) But that's so true. And you know, looking back when you think about as you transition into sort of young adulthood, college years, especially as you started to build more of your identity as it is as a grown up, even though we're constantly reinventing ourselves, how would you sort of define that evolution? Like if you had to think back to who you were as like a 20 year old or 18 year old Gita. You know, I feel like I was always that mom, that caretaker, even when I was a child, I was always taking care of Hmm. my sister or my mom, you know, she would, she'd be, she's very religious. She had to do her puja in the morning. So she'd be rushing off to work. You know, can you get my tea ready (laughs) (laughs) in her little to go Tupperware? Or, you know, I, I feel like I've always been that person that's sort of taking care of those people around me. And I think that carried over definitely into my young adult life as well. I was, I was that person in the dorms and I was that person throughout my entire life, which I think led me to where I am today. Absolutely. So do you feel like at times you also navigated, you know, I'm there to care for others and don't we love a friend who's ready to take care of us because (laughs) y'all are responsible as fuck, but, um, how about taking care of yourself? Like how did that journey evolve? Especially as you think about Nishi, it's so much about giving women, the almost um, offering and resource of you do come first. Menstrual health is so important to your health yeah. as a human. So how did you start that relationship with taking care of your own self and your own needs? Well, I think that's a tough one. I think the taking care of myself came out of taking care of Anjali, my oldest daughter, which is where the inspiration for Nishi came from. But honestly, with regards to menstrual, menstrual health, I don't think I realized we had options. Actually, I don't think anybody realized we had options, right? Other than birth control, because growing up when I did have such heavy and painful periods, my mom's only option was to put me on birth control because that's what the doctor told her to do. And for years I suffered with terrible headaches and stomach aches, which they would in turn give more medicine for. And I don't know if they just didn't realize the birth control was causing it. Or, you know, yeah. if there was more to it, but I didn't understand the effects until I stopped. And so that was where I realized there is more we can do to take care of ourselves outside of this as I mm-hmm. played around with ingredients to help Anjali. And that was really where that sort of caretaker in me took over and said, you know, in the next part of my career, I want I wanted to focus on helping people. And I always thought that was, you know, let me go work for a nonprofit, learn and eventually start my own And then I realized I had something right here in front of me that could do just that. And I think it's both, it's helping them, but it's empowering them to take, to take care of themselves and to take control of their life. Right. And to get so much, maybe it's a week, a month back that you're losing today. Absolutely. You're totally right. I think this is something that 
I feel actually so much pain and sadness when I think about how much we've gaslighted ourselves in terms of menstrual health and how important yeah. and honestly it is the primary factor. A lot of the times I, I would see that as a, something on the side because even going back to what you were saying of like when you get your period and you're having issues, you might go on birth control, but it's sort of like, how do I manage it and make it go away? Sort of like when you get a headache, you're like, just do everything to just kind of like forget that you have it, move on right. with your day. But it's not possible, like going into PE, for example, and being like, I have such heavy periods. I remember I had a period where, actually, pun intended, a period of time <laughs> where I had a period for 21 days and oh I struggled so hard. It was, you know, I didn't realize I had PCOS, but right. it was embarrassing to be in the PE room. You're so conscious of everything being impacted by this heavy flow pain cramps, and you just shove it away as something that doesn't actually determine your core being. But mm -hmm. as I was even doing research inspired by you and Mishi, you know, I, I started to look into some of the facts of, you know, why is this so important? Why do we ignore it? And honestly, I'm like, gosh, this determines all of the, the human being of the woman at that time, their well-being yeah. is so impacted by menstrual health completely. It's the factor that might be causing you problems, right? Not just something on the side. So yeah. I really appreciate you finding that in, you know, your own story and connecting with it through your caretaker sort of, you know, need and call to action also for yourself. Did you, did you have these issues as well? Oh, I did. I had very, very heavy periods to the point where let's say a super plus, you know, heavy pad would last me 45 minutes on some days. And that should be, you know, it says on the box up to eight hours. I don't think yeah. I ever, I don't think it ever lasted more than You're like who is going hours. through eight hours. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, I mean, it's amazing. Post Nishi, it does. Right. I, I yeah. went from packing my backpack with, let's say five, six pads to get me through the day to now I'm, you know, maybe I need two or three and it's, it's amazing. The difference. It's liberating. I completely agree. That's yeah, I like for some reason my head went into like if you were driving to LA, you would need to pack at least 10 pads to get yeah. you through that drive, <laughs> assuming everything goes smoothly. So yes. I yeah, you go through the whole bag pretty quickly. Yes, absolutely. That that was definitely me as a child, and that was Anjali as a child, which is why I set out to help her because there was just something inside me that couldn't live with the fact that she was struggling so much. So Absolutely. Sometimes seeing the need in other people really helps push us further than we would for ourselves. Sort of like when we give advice to friends and you're like, well, if I'm going through it, whatever. But if a friend is going through it, I'm so much more protective and, you know, wanting to help. Yeah. Um, and so I, before I jump into the space of, okay, Nishi came about when you were even marinating on this thought of, could there be something like this? I want to visit that space, and, yeah. which is also the scariest where you're like, does this work out? Is this actually possible? What was that period of your, I keep using period now. What was that time like for you coming up with the idea, working with medical providers, et cetera? So for me, it, the intention was really to help her. And I had, I had bucketed it in my brain that way. You know, when COVID hit, we were trying out different recipes. I was working my corporate day job and just to keep up with, you know, trying this out for her the kids being at home 24 seven work, I was up until two, three in the morning. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I was miserable, right? It just didn't make sense anymore. And so I decided to take a step back and just focus on, you know, getting them sort of back to school as things were opening up. And that that's really where I sat down one day. And I said to myself, 
you know, I'm, my whole goal is to go back to work to help people. And I have these amazing products that have not only benefited Anjali so much, but benefited me so much, right? My 16 year old miserable period had come back with a bang as I was in my late thirties, early forties. And Nishi had been, all of these products have been amazing for me as well, where it was, you know, eight, nine day periods for both of us down to four, you know, as we were talking about five, six, seven, eight pads to get you through the day. And now you need two or three, no more cramps, you know, ibuprofen purchases Mm -hmm. are now a minimal in this house (laughs) where she used to need them every month. And so it's just, it kept getting better and better. But again, I needed to know that it worked not just for my DNA. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I set out to do a trial. So we enlisted women of all ethnicities and age ranges. And in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, for some reason, I had this multiple month gut feeling, right? And I kept thinking if some if you need a customer to buy in for that long, it just doesn't make sense. And as the trial results were coming back, I would ch- I had a, you know, a little tech system that would gather information from people every day. And consistently, every single time somebody got their period, it was my cramps are going away. My flow is so much reduced. You know, my bloating is gone. My skin is clearing up. My mood is balanced. My hair is growing back in. And if you look at every single symptom that was being alleviated, it was everything that's tied to hormonal imbalance, which is exactly what these ingredients are meant to tackle. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, I mean, it was fantastic. It was month over month. People were seeing all these added benefits. And the best part was, I guess two two amazing things. They saw so much of a benefit in the first cycle, which obviously you want everybody to experience, but when you're starting a company, you need somebody to have benefits quickly. But they were all able to sort of reach that happy period state, if you would call it, by month two or three. And then it was just like smooth sailing from there, right? You you take one a day. And once you reach a point where you're feeling great, you can scale it back a bit to a couple of weeks and still maintain that hormonal balance. But I think so many people love the products and there's almost this, you know, happy self-care element that so many of my customers actually still have one every day. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. And I can't imagine how many people under their breath are whispering, thank you, Vita. (laughs) Thank you, Nishi. Because truly, and I'm not just saying that to flatter you, those are the symptoms that really ruin our day and prevent us from doing everyday things. Mm -hmm. And if I had to rank, you know, there's a tiered system to what I'm raged about every day. Um, Today, a low tier is why Bad Bunny lost the Grammy yesterday for album of the year. And then, you know, in a higher scale might be why as a woman do I have to go through so much of this shit while men don't? Um, And then being unable to participate or then being weaponized, you know, it's weaponized against us, also our capabilities and performance as women in spaces like you had mentioned, even just being a part of corporate or politics as we saw with Hillary Clinton. So I'm curious, how did that kind of come into play for you as you were thinking about I'm raising women and I want to remove that obstacle for them? Um, Did you feel ever that period of like anger towards this? Oh, always growing up, right? Especially when you're having to change your pad as often as I was, when you're sneaking it from your little backpack pouch under your sleeve and you're hoping the crinkly wrapper doesn't make a noise, right? (laughs) As you make your way down the hallway. And I've always been very open with the kids about everything because I don't think you can learn and grow otherwise. 
And I've always said to them, especially around their period, you know, I hope one day that you guys will walk down the hallway with your pad or your tampon in your hand and not be shy about it. Mm-hmm. Because it's not something that a woman should be judged for, right? It's completely natural. Absolutely. We all go through it. And the day the girl said to me, mom, we already do that. Like my heart just, <laughs> I was so right? happy. I was like, this is amazing. And they will openly have my period, right? Do you have a pet? I forgot one or, you know, it's just, it's not a big deal anymore. And I love that for them. I think that's where we all should have been, you know, 50 years ago, but completely agree. And it's amazing progress. Yes. It's very, uh, I don't want to inconvenience or burden people with this knowledge that this exists. We do bleed, you know, <laughs> and it's so, un- I, I wouldn't even tell my dad, uh, you know, my sister uh, broke that, you know, she's six years younger and she's like, oh, I tell them all the time. I ask him to buy my pads. But back then I felt so shy that I would even yeah. hide that from him or right. Like <laughs> purchase it like at the end, you know, when he's about to pay and yeah, I don't think he actually cared, but I felt so conscious of like wearing that on my sleeve. And so I'm actually, you know, that leads to sort of some of the messages that we grow up with, of course, and this isn't just South Asian, you know, this is something that universally women can relate to is these messages about their health and menstrual cycle and uh, something that affects them every day. So what are sort of some of the like three common messages or themes that you've noticed as women talk to you, South Asian or beyond that have talked to you about some of their struggles of like what their relationship was like with their menstrual cycle and how Nishi has perhaps addressed that. I think it's so much of the same, right? They, they've been feeling miserable and they didn't realize there's something all natural out there that can help them. I think people are very hesitant because if it's something quote healthy or going to help me, it won't taste good. So having them take that first bite has, it's amazing every single time. Cause they're like, yeah. Oh my God, this tastes so good. And it I does. love it. <laughs> um, and, and then it's a lot of the faux pas that you and I have experienced in talking about it. I will see so many people walk by when we're doing a pop-up market or an in-person event and the women are just, you know, I can see them looking at me, reading the sign and then sort of pulling their husband towards my booth the husband will look over, read it and just turn around and walk away. Mm. And it's like a movie, right? The, the husband's pulling the woman away and she's still looking back at me. And it's, it's oh so my gosh. sad. Yeah. <laughs> and that I, I feel bad. And I, I would say a good majority of them end up making their way back probably alone, but I would love for that husband to walk that wife over and be like, She struggles, you know, and that was actually one of my favorite moments. We did a local market in Fremont and this woman had come up. She was asking me a ton of questions. She was also a vendor. And so she said, you know, let me take this information. I'll talk to you after or, or I'll follow up. And 20 minutes later, this man appears and he's like, do you guys do gift orders? And so he explained that he was that woman's boyfriend and she struggles so much during her period. He just wants her to feel better. And it was amazing. And I just, I wish that more partners would see how debilitating these symptoms can be during your menstrual cycle and want to do more to help versus just they're normalized along with how doctors and the world expects us to just suck it up and deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. But you don't have I'm very emotional by that story. I'm particularly, I'm just like going through a lot of hormonal stuff right now. So if we can see that type of 
forget allyship, but just love and care for a human being. Like, Hey, this is something that affects you and you need to then address it. Just like we address a cold or a flu or, you know, that's something we shouldn't have to live with. I adore that. So when it comes to Nishi, of course, you mentioned it helps with better periods and through delicious chocolate treats. And I believe vanilla you mentioned. Yes. So we have a couple different products, little mini chocolate cakes. They're, they're like fudgy brownies. We have, um, mix-ins. So chocolate or cacao flavored vanilla, and then a couple different muffin varieties, dark chocolate and, um, which is actually allergy friendly. And I'm very excited about, and then we have a banana nut muffin. Incredible. That actually just sounds very appetizing. I would do that anyway. Um, and order that from you, but this also having that added benefit sounds really, really awesome and beneficial. Um, and so with that, you know, a lot of the times with menstrual cycles and that topic, we talk about it in terms of reproductive health and uh, with sort of the assumption, right. Then there also, therein lies this assumption that a lot of our health as women is for the purpose of producing babies, perhaps one day. And that's not always something that everyone wants. Um, It's not always the priority. It could also be that you just want to exist happily and, you know, at peace with your body with comfort. So how do you think about Nishi and what it solves for? Do you have people who tend to misunderstand it as something that is reproductively oriented? No, I think the biggest question I get there is the ages of the menstrual cycle. So can my younger daughter take it, for example, or can I take it? I'm perimenopausal or I'm nearing menopause or I'm postmenopause. And I think now that, you know, we're close to a year since we've launched, we've hit all of the different age ranges. And there's definitely so many benefits where, you know, I have some customers who are looking to save their eggs, right? For down the road, they're not ready to have children now, but they might do it later. And a lot of the ingredients um, are ingredients that if you read online about how you can sort of level out your hormones, what you should be looking for as you're leading up to that procedure. There's a lot of things in our our cakes and our mix-ins that are perfectly aligned to that. And so I think it's just, it's that overall menstrual health, those hormonal shifts that women go through, the treats are designed to help support that no matter where you are in that journey. And we have some women who are in postmenopausal who have seen a big difference in muscle cramps, you know, some different things that where you're just, a lot of it is it's nourishment for your body that you could be lacking today. And that's why people are feeling better, even if they don't get their period anymore. Yeah, no, that's so helpful. And is this also applicable to folks who are transitioning? You know, that I don't know enough about, but I would say that if you are seeing a huge fluctuation with your hormone levels, with the different procedures or medications you're going through, there definitely could be a benefit. Absolutely. And are there um, easy ways to sort of share this information, like ingredients and everything with your doctor? Should you want to investigate, is this the right choice for me? Absolutely. Everything's on the website. So the products, ingredients, everything is listed out there for people to see. I think, you know, it's food and it's something you're putting in your body. And so it's so important for them to understand what they're eating and why they're eating it. Absolutely. And on that note, I wanted to click into one specific issue too, that uh, especially South Asian women are seeing or really there's more awareness around is PCOS. And the fact that we are seeing this in higher numbers than we realized in the South Asian community 
And not only that, but that we might also have a some phenotypical items in our kind of genes. And like I, I was reading a study of how it might be more prominent for genetic reasons, but also mm-hmm. because we have all these fun risks too. I remember <laughs> when my doctor told me about PCOS, they're like, you have an increased uh, risk of diabetes, heart disease, right? Blood pressure, et cetera. And I was like, great. These are all things that Indians are already known for right. having a hard time with. So let's amplify that. Um, did not want to get a 4.0 in my risks for help. I just wanted that in school. And so when that came into play, I'm understanding, I thought this was something unique because I went through this in back in 2013, but so many women are being diagnosed with PCOS now, yeah. especially South Asian women. I bring this up to ask, you know, how have you thought about PCOS uh, with Nishi? And is there anything in the works that you're also considering to be able to better target that issue? Yes, absolutely. So we have been doing a PCOS testing period with a couple of folks as well. Um, All our South Asian, all of them have, I guess, sort of typical PCOS symptoms, if you could word it that way. You know, they're very lethargic um, quite often seeing changes to their skin where they're, you know, acne or just uneven skin tone where they're not feeling great, a lot of cramping, their flow is heavier. And it's amazing. So many of them are saying like, I can't believe it. I'm going, I have the energy levels to get back to the gym. Um, After starting Nishi, they've seen huge changes in their skin where it's clearing up. Flow is definitely decreased. Their cramps have significantly decreased. So they're all seeing a benefit, which is so exciting because I feel like there isn't enough out there to help people manage their PCOS symptoms. And quite Mm -hmm. often birth control alone doesn't help. Right. And so I think I, I love the fact that I've been able to help them feel better. It's very exciting. Absolutely. And I can't wait to stay tuned to that progress. I'm also excited to try it for myself to moderate my PCOS. I for sure noticed even through the, you know, I'm bringing it as like my handy dandy demonstrative (laughs) niche product, but I had that mix in that you were kind enough to share with me as a sample because I was very scared and it wasn't because of your lack of knowledge on it. You were, you know, my husband and I were like, was she a doctor? And I realized like, oh, she's like an op strategy specialist, but really well uh, researched and thorough about what she's selling and knows what she's doing. And so I remember I was a little skeptical just because nothing has worked when people have marketed PCOS products um, or even advice on Instagram. Like there's just so much of the unique individual actually uh, attention that we need to give. It's hard to Mm -hmm. generalize advice, even how it manifests for different women. So I just appreciated that you were so kind and really being like, Hey, I just want you to try it to see if it works. I wasn't even taking as much as I should have, I think at the time. And I remember you were like, you can take more than just like a spoonful with your coffee. But I was like, I already feel like I want to move more. I, I worked out Amazing. for like weeks when I was taking it. Um, and in fact, now I'm just like scared to use it up until I get the new batch. And so uh, I really appreciate that. And I can't wait to hear more about how this is impacting women. Because again, it sounds like people will say like, come on, just go, go on a walk, just go. And like, they think it's like so quick. But sometimes it's so deeply embedded to your psychology too, of like, then you just become lazier and you're like, what's wrong with me? You feel even worse about yourself, like you're a piece of shit. Like it's such negative. Yeah, you're in the rut. Yeah, totally. So it's just, it's incredible how a delicious treat can really help you um, navigate that. Yes. And And that's where I think a lot of people are seeing benefits where, you know, they, they will come to me just like you're a little skeptical, which completely makes sense. Cause you know, I've been there with so many things as well. 
And they're like, but I've tried this. I've tried that. You know, I've tried flax oil or I've tried these different things. But the second they see consistency within their first month on Nishi, they're like, that, those things never worked for me, but this does, right? And so a lot of it comes down to that ratio, different things working together to help support your hormones. So I'm so happy you're feeling better and your new order should arrive soon. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but yes, I, I'm so glad that this is happening for multiple women. And, you know, on that note, actually, so when did you start Nishi? So we started with, you know, trials and whatnot about two years ago. And I officially launched uh, early last year. So almost one year ago today. Congratulations and happy anniversary almost. <laughs> Nishi. So you are probably in one of the toughest stages of entrepreneurship. And one thing I'd love to ask is two things actually is one, how has it been to help out people understand that value of Nishi? And mm -hmm. also just going through your own personal, like you have so many identities that you are beyond the uh, founder of Nishi. So how has it been juggling all that and being able to deliver this and watch this blossom? So definitely we're, it's been an amazing first year, right? Without question. And I think it's different, right? When you're in the workplace, you have these deliverables and you meet them and you move on to the next one. And when you're running your own business, it's very different because if you don't meet that deliverable, what's going to happen? Well, mm -hmm. you're not going to grow at the pace you want to, but it's not like somebody's going to come yell at you, right? Yeah. So I, I feel like it's it's a very different dynamic. I'm definitely not moving as fast as I would like to, but that's only because I have three kids, you know, life gets in the way. But when I sat down and I wrote a year-end review, and as I kept writing, look at you, so you know corporate. <laughs> You're in review. <laughs> Love it. I wish I'd be proud of myself. Like we've done all these things. And I think because mm -hmm. in the day to day, you don't realize, but just, I, I think my favorite moments are when I get those texts or those, you know, reviews from people. They're just like, Gita, I can't tell you how amazing I felt. I just had my period and I didn't have cramps. I didn't have this, right? Like it didn't slow me down. It didn't get in the way. And I'm just like, amazing, amazing. Totally. I mean, what are we without our health? And like, you know, I think that's so powerful. But to your point, it's often interesting how much our standards of perfectionism and what we expect of ourselves, especially when we've been socialized that way, coming from systems like corporate and just yeah. depending on how you grew up it really takes that moment of reflection to understand like, damn, I actually did a lot in that first year, or yeah. even just the fact that you have people who want to work with you, who are providing you uh, feedback that, hey, it's working. That's some of right. the best feedback you can receive. So I have no doubt Nishi is just going to continue building momentum. Um, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. If you had to talk about like where your dream is, where Nishi would, you know, peak, how does, Basically, Nishi become the Beyonce of what you want it to be. What would that dream state be? So for me, I think it goes back to that original intention of helping people. I would love to one day be able to say, all right, you know, there are so many women in the U.S. who are seeing benefits from this product. Let's take a chunk of that money coming in and reformulate it for third world countries. Because if you think about it, there are so many different efforts to get these women or these children back to work or back in school. But 
I don't know who's really looking at the fact that, well, they're out of commission more so than we would for a week out of the month because they don't have access to sanitary products. They don't have access to running water like we do. And so they can't really go to school or go back to work. And there's, it's almost like it's debilitating during that time of month for these women who are struggling so much. But you know, packaging up all these food products and sending them over to other countries is really complicated. So if there's a way we can formulate it, put it into a little pill that, you know, can withstand temperatures and shelf life and all of that and get that over to women. I think that's, that's the ultimate goal. Absolutely. And I I don't doubt that's in your future. It's just a matter of when and how. And so um, I'm rooting you on always. My last question for you before we go into the chip chip round is if you were had to talk to a woman who is or a girl who's struggling with this, but is, you know, maybe blocked by some limiting belief, whether they think it's stigma or they don't think it's a big deal, it's normal. What would you say to that girl or woman? You know, I think I face this all the time, right? It's women who, why would me eating a cake help? This makes no sense. Why would this help? You know, it, it can't be. And I think just telling them the facts, essentially, right? These are the things that I've experienced, Anjali's experienced, my customers have experienced. This is how it helps them. This is the why. At that point, almost everybody clicks on and realizes, hey, I have that problem too. Wait, you mean I actually have that problem and I can feel better, right? It's this journey. It's this educational, emotional journey that everybody goes through. And some come to the table ready to talk about it. Others are skeptical. But I think almost everybody, once you have that conversation, understands that they're in that bucket and they can feel better now. And honestly, our biggest challenge is I can't have that conversation everywhere. So translating that online is is going to be sort of the focus point this year to get us to grow. I really appreciate that. And what especially stood out to me is that piece of painting a world where, wait, I don't have to live with this. I think that's so key um, in terms of even for folks to understand why they even need the value of Nishi. Um, And to your point, that made me think of even just how we've considered menstrual help as a punishment in our society. And it's something that you sort of you're dirtier, you might have to refrain from certain activities or people themselves. Um, I remember there was a book that my friend was reading in middle school or high school that was the red tent, Mm -hmm. where people had to go into a tent and bleed on the moss and be like gone. And that to me sounded like, wow, it's so much progress, I can go to school with a pad. But like, that is so sad that I think like I'm lucky for being able to like just go with cramps to school. And so yeah. the levels of like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. I should settle for this. So I appreciate you painting that picture of the world you can live in. Um, yeah. And, you know, that's something that's educational with or without Nishi, right? Just understanding you can live healthily because it's just part of your body. All right, Geetha, we have covered some crazy topics, um, as heavy as a period, um, and as light as talking about chocolate. And so now we're going to go into the chip chip round, which is, as you know, the rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you some fun questions. Hopefully you find them fun. If I'm torturing you, let me know. Some people really get stressed by the rapid fire concept. I can do it. (laughs) You can. (laughs) So I believe in you. Number one, if you had to create a comfort pack for a gnarly period, what would that entail for you? I think it would be a lot of chocolate. 
Um, but my latest addiction, which is terrible, seems to be gummy nerds. Do not start Yum. eating them because they don't go. My my daughter has secret sister and her secret sister loves gummy nerds as does she. So I'm surrounded by them, but they are very good. But for anyone else, I would say chocolate, um, maybe some lavender lotion to calm you down and a movie. Love that. Love that. Um, yeah, gummies, especially. I'm like, um, what is this substance even? Corn syrup? Like, it's an artificial substance to begin with. I don't but... want to know. I need yeah. To know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe Mishi will come out with a chocolate gummy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get to be a backup dancer for any singer performing at the Levi Stadium, San Jose area. Who would you pick? I would pick Jax because her Victoria's Secret song seems to just. It's like the epitome of everything we've been doing with Nishi, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> totally. But I don't know any other song that can be that motto better than what she's preaching about. So on brand. Your first ever crush. My first ever crush. Probably Marky Mark. <laughs> Marky Mark. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're too young. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. He was a rapper before he was an actor. Yeah. I didn't know he was called Marky Mark. I know oh, Mark yeah. Wahlberg. I just didn't know that nickname. I just imagine him as like the entourage guy now. So um, good choice. Good choice. You like men who walk around aimlessly around LA <laughs> <laughs> and rap. <laughs> and rap. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather have the ability to see 10 minutes into the future or 150 years into the future? I would say 10 minutes into the future because you can pivot quickly if you need to. Yes. I feel like 150 years in the future, you're just, what can you do with that? That's, That's fair. harder to react to. That is very true. Maybe you could prevent something crazy, but either way, both That's of these true. would be a great premise for a TV show too. Yes. So <laughs> I would watch that. Gita can predict the future in 10 minutes. What would she do? <laughs> um, lastly, the thing that you thought to be true in a prior decade that has changed for you in this decade? Hmm. I think we always, or at miss maybe just me, because I was always that, like, I was too old for my age. <laughs> I think I always knew. Okay, let's redo that. I feel like the words aren't coming up. I think for me, realizing there's so much more to learn, right? Mm. As as a 16-year-old, I was probably 25. And as a 25-year-old, I was probably 35. I was always that, you know, caretaker girl that was maybe a little bit too mature for her age. And I think just realizing there's still so much more to learn out there. So don't think you know everything. Don't judge too quickly because there's always a different perspective or a different angle, right, to everything. Absolutely. I love that. And that's something that we sh I, I wish I we had known sooner to your point. So thank you for sharing that in case it catches someone when they're like nine years old and they can live yes. their life with it.